many millennia ago, at a time where the world was one giant mystery, existed a small, peaceful village in the English countryside. At a brief moment in history, where there was no war, famine, or sickness, the people of this tiny village lived happily. One ordinary day, a village scout peeped sight of something in the distance. Upon closer inspection, found it to be a long caravan of travelers, slowly passing over yonder hill. Seemingly non-threatening in nature, he returned to the village to tell the people of the caravan's approach. All people, young, old, big and small, gathered round to bear witness of whatever was to come. Before they could see the caravan, they heard it in the form of cymbals bashing away. They clashed and clanged as the first members of the long caravan approached over the hill. They were fat in appearance and bore gay expressions upon their faces, as if to jest playfully. Following closely behind them were more jolly players of instruments, holding guitars, flutes, drums, trumpets, and any other musical device one could imagine. The children laughed and the adults smiled on as they watched this foolish slew of travelers wail away on their collective instruments. The longer the parade progressed, the stranger the participants it consisted of became. People noticed that a few of its characters possessed body parts which were not even human at all, like goat's legs, bat's wings, and antlers like that of a deer. At first, the villagers assumed these components to be that of prosthetic costume. But as the parade carried on, elements of it presented themselves to be undeniably weird and unexplainable in nature. People began seeing full-sized animals behaving like humans, such as a giant rooster walking along and playing a bagpipe. Along with human-animal hybrids doing the same, one villager even noted seeing an individual with the body of a man and the head of a toad as his neck inflated like a bubble. The children now held tightly to their parents and the whole village looked on in shock, frightened by whatever was making its way through their home. Soon, sections of the parade became beyond awed and downright disturbing. A wagon carrying human body parts went strolling past, with heads on pikes and various limbs hanging from ropes on the sides. Another carriage rolled by immediately after, this one housing people sat in chairs for display. However, these people were not people at all but collections of body parts from the first wagon sewn together to make imaginative corpses, some bearing multiple heads and even an odd number of arms and legs. 
tall wooden beam stood up and poked out from the sides of the carriage and held strings which hung down towards the ground. Attached to these strings were more makeshift corpses hanging like human marionettes and bouncing along with the carriage as if they were living members of the parade. Behind the carriage were bearers of wooden pails, splashing the ground surrounding the march with a sort of red liquid. It became apparent that this liquid was blood, as the pail bearers splashed tediously and frequently, making sure not to miss an inch of ground. Oddly, the pail bearers needed not to refill their pails, as they seemed to replenish themselves with fresh blood immediately after being emptied. Another disturbing portion of the parade emerged in the form of an enormous pink elephant. The elephant possessed this color from being flayed of all its skin. Each of its giant feet was attached to a stilted wheel, which bobbed up and down as it rolled along to give the appearance that the elephant was walking on its own accord. The eyes of the still-living elephant darted back and forth in terror, and muffled groans of pain poured exhaustedly from its trunk. The children were now crying, and all of the villagers stood silently, aghast, with eyes wide and mouths open. The parade came to a sudden halt, and the music ceased all at once, with each and every participant standing still and quietly at attention. A young man with a porcelain mask over his face and dressed in the clothes of a royal squire stepped forward. With scroll in hand, he spoke clearly. Introducing King Payman, loyal servant of Lucifer, third king and ruler of 200 demonic leagues, teacher of all arts, philosophies, and sciences, and knower of all secret things. Here now, bow to his greatness and accept his divine request. In that moment, a man mounted on a camel appeared, a peculiar-looking man, quite small in stature, and with a face similar to that of a woman but a man nonetheless. Atop his head sat a glistening golden crown, with long, soft locks of hair flowing out from under it. When he opened his mouth, a loud, thunderous voice boomed forth and said, Who is the leader of this village? The crowd was silent, and then a large man stepped forward and proclaimed, I am Wolfric Babbitt, I lead these people. King Payman looked at him sternly and said, As a gesture of your gratitude for safe passage, I require a blood sacrifice. The people of the village gasped silently in confusion, unaware of the seriousness surrounding this request. Safe passage shall be granted to you and your caravan without the spilling of blood. I and my people wish not to trouble you or delay your travels. It is not I who require safe passage. 
But I who grants you this privilege from my many leagues of demons, whose wrath shall bring pain and horror beyond the realm of human perception. Now spill me fresh blood, or perish at the hands of Lucifer and the underworld. Nothing but silence filled the air, as the villagers stood frozen from shock, too afraid to detest, yet too afraid to act upon this startling request. In the midst of this silence, an old, old man stepped forward and said, I offer myself as sacrifice unto you, King Payman, and bowed his head humbly in front of the king and his camel. Nonsense! I require the blood of youth. Only a child will suffice. The villagers gasped in terror as parents reached for their children and held them tightly at their sides. Wolfric looked at his people, and then at the long line of deranged followers which preceded King Payman. He wanted not any form of death to be brought upon his fellow village people, or by his hand. But due to the phlegmatic temperament of this mysterious King Payman, and the freakishly unsettling appearance of his demented parade, felt his words to be true, and that the origin of this grotesque bunch was indeed from the depths of hell. Wolfric was forced to make an extremely painful decision. He grabbed his eldest son by the back of the shirt and thrusted him forward. Will the blood of my son ensure safe passage and the guarantee that we will never see you again? Yes. Wolfric then approached one of the scouts on horseback and withdrew his sword from its sheath. The villagers watched with eyes full of tears, unable to believe what was happening before them. Wolfric's son, at a mere ten years of age, stood crying as well, as his father walked up behind him. In one powerful swing, the sword swept through the air and lopped the boy's head cleanly off of his body as the people screamed in terror. King Payman took one glance at the boy's headless body, then at Wolfric, and then at the weeping people, before looking forward. The parade marched on, away from the village and out of sight, leaving nothing but a trail of blood, accompanied by heartbroken people. The days following the parade were sorrowful and quiet. No one spoke. No one smiled. The realization that such soul-crushing evil lives alongside us on Earth was enough to send the village into an everlasting depression. In due time, word from the surrounding areas got back to the villagers. News of a demonic king and his twisted parade marching through other villages and kingdoms reached their ears. Demands of a blood sacrifice being laughed at by kings and lords alike accompanied this news, along with their fates for dismissing such demands. One neighboring village experienced an infestation of fleas, although unseen, could be felt severely. 
to the point where it drove the people mad, scratching and scraping their skin away. Infection soon plagued the poor people of this unfortunate village, and soon after, death, as everyone was gone in a matter of months. Even an entire kingdom fell victim to the wrath of King Payman, this time in the form of mass hysteria. Every married woman of this kingdom simultaneously obtained the belief that her husband was participating in the act of adultery. Many of these women successfully murdered their husbands in their sleep, including the queen, who split the king's head open with an axe while deep in slumber. The remaining women turned their suspicions on each other and attacked one another in murderous fashion. Those who remained were captured and put on trial for witchcraft and conspiring with dark arts. But by then, the kingdom's infrastructure had been damaged so greatly that the kingdom itself crumbled to the ground. Equally bizarre stories of demise from even further places continued to surface. But no matter how strange the happenings of the places around them, Wolfric and his village remained safe and untouched. Although the death of his son brought pain, which was sometimes too much to bear, Wolfric knew he had made the right choice. <laughs>